poetry's dead. What's it like to work in an art that's so unappreciated? I had my, my alarm on my alarm. My phone died before the alarm would uh, activate. You don't you don't plug it in at night? No. I guess should I? Yeah. Do you think that that would address? Uh, what would that do, John? Well, I f- I figure I feel that's the natural time to do it because that's when you're not using it, so you might as well charge it up. What kind What kind of phone are you currently using? You've been through a few. You've been through a few smartphone elimination rounds, haven't you? What do you want? Yeah, now? let me try. Let me try to remember which one it is. It's the kind where you go um, uh, to the wall, and uh, <laughs> there's a little thing you have to you have to you, know, you crank it, and then uh, um, see it's got this it's got this, this new thing. There's not an H. There's not a, a, a HTML port on it. Um, <laughs> there's no HTML port. No. Oh no. No, they did away with that. So uh, instead, it's got this. Uh, um, this really sleek, very curved. You know, Apple things are curved. Yeah. Uh, device you, uh, you 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 lift off the side and you um, you put it to your ear like any phone. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. Uh huh. And I even know why I'm mentioning it. And then uh, you speak into the kind of duck beak that comes out of the the wooden box, and you mm-hmm. say "Ahoy, ahoy." Did you um, just in all in all seriousness? It's a party line. It's a party line. So I mean, we're going to have yeah. guests. <laughs> and Mabel from down at the junction is probably listening. I don't know if she if she's going to say anything. You know, mind your own business, Mabel. This is this is the new Apple phone. Yeah, you don't have to chime in on every little thing. <laughs> Tender oh, biscuits, Eddie. So I think that's maybe is that an Apple Seven? Is that an iPhone Seven? Is what an iPhone Seven that I'm describing? Sure, sure. Yeah. It, I think you're, I think you're describing the box that the iPhone Seven comes in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I probably am. <laughs> you're like, you're like a two year old on Christmas morning <laughs> playing with the box, or like the family cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, I don't know what happened to Skype, man. I think I've got aerial heavy poisoning. Aerial pink poisoning? Yeah, yeah, that too. I'm, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a state of, uh, I'm in a cognitively peculiar uh, state today. I think because I had a plan, which was to uh, write my novel that we, you and I talked about. We're, uh, <clears throat> I had, cl- you know, I was gonna work on this over winter break. Um, mm-hmm. And then, fortunately, uh, I wrote real fast, which meant that I could do other stuff over break mm-hmm. while, while my readers <clears throat> gave me comments on the book, except what I did instead was played um, an extraordinarily long, complicated video game about aliens infesting a space station to the to the point where I couldn't wait for... Uh, my children to leave so that I could play it, and xenophobe. Um, what is the game xenophobe from nineteen eighty seven? No, um, there. I've I've been talking to people about this game, and it seems that in theory it's extraordinarily derivative. That there were lots of games like this, but this game is prey. 
which mm. came out last year. And it's like, I think it, there's another game, uh, uh, my drummer friend, John, what, yesterday we were playing some music and then we were talking about this. And he said there was this almost identical sounding game called Marathon he played in the 90s. Mm. Um, but, you know, you have you have access to every inch of this giant space station. It's it's totally open. You can climb on top of things and behind things, and you can smash windows and climb through them, and certain things that look real are actually projections, and you can get behind those. And so, I've you know, I've been playing it for weeks, and I probably have not. I finished it last night is the end of the story. Um, yeah. Just because I, I had to, I was going to do all this extra stuff, but it was it was kind of poisoning me because I was living there essentially. I was, you know, I was completely alone, knowing I would probably die at the end. Um, yeah, trapped in this place where I uh, evidently used to work or something, uh, and uh, everything was a threat, and all the electricity is flickering, and the the things are broken, and robots are chasing me. And it's it was it was very entertaining, but it it was depressing. Uh, this is why I don't think I should ever try VR because mm-hmm. it makes it seem even more like your home is a is a uh, an alien infested space station, and that's no <laughs> good for your soul. Mm-mm. So that's where I'm at today. I finished it last night. I blew. Think how badly people on such a space station would would really much rather be in a a, a, a toasty apartment in right. New York. Sure. Yeah. In fact, you know, given the technology available in this game, they probably have uh, they probably have uh, you know holographic um, sort of uh, what, what would you call them? I want to say I want to say the holodeck, but that's uh, that's branded uh, intellectual property. But you know what I'm saying? They're probably hanging out in Ithaca apartments on the space station because that's possible. Mm-hmm. Predating the holodeck was that the room in the uh, Ray Bradbury story. Um, oh, the Velt. Yeah, the, the Velt. Velt. The Velt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good story. Is that I, Bradbury? Yeah. Woo. Asimov. I think it's Bradbury. Brazimov. <laughs> uh, yeah, student. Towards the end, I usually teach out of these, uh, just my workshops where most of the class material is the students' work. Uh, I usually just have one. I'll, I'll give them a store, a PDF of a story I really like when when the topic of it comes up in class. But mostly, I have the textbook is the latest best American short stories, which mm-hmm. um, gives students and me a sense of like what what somebody thinks is good in our yeah. year. Yeah. But we get bored with it by the end of the semester, and the students start wanting to read other stuff, and they want to suggest the, the stuff. So usually the last few stories, the students will – whoever's leading discussion will submit their own story. Not that they wrote, that, that they think is good. They're chosen. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the time, they're ones I don't particularly want to read. But this time uh, – this past semester, somebody submitted the Velt, uh, and I hadn't read it since I was, you know, 20. Mm-hmm. It's great. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read it sometime recently too. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ray Bradbury is a hell of a writer. First person to say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> One of the most popular writers of all time. Yeah. Really? Well, he yeah. didn't get talked about very much 
these days. But uh, I, I still have very fond memories of the October Country and the Martian Chronicles. Martian Chronicles is is a, a beautiful and sad book of short stories. And it's a, I would even call it you might even call it a, a formerly no. experimental novel. Here, you want to hear the coffee porn? I do. Yeah. Yeah. It's Winesburg, Ohio in space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think consciously. I think consciously. Do you, do you think he was actually riffing off it? Uh-huh. I think so. Um, so another thing I'd like to say about science fiction yeah, uh, is that I think that, that science fiction novels and movies have, have an unfair advantage in titling because they can just call the spaceship anything and then that can be the title of the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the game that I played, the, the space station was called Talos 1. And um, I'm pretty sure that the game was supposed to be called Talos, but another game came out called the Talos Principle, which mm-hmm. is also a it's it's a science fiction game. In this case, you play a robot uh, mm-hmm. trying to understand its own sentience um, in an environment that has been made to test that very sentience. Um, Sometimes but, I have trouble understanding my own sentences. <laughs> Are you quoting someone? <laughs> I just, as somebody who struggles with grammar, <laughs> I, I have difficulty come to terms with the sentences that I use. <laughs> the sentences, sentience. Joke. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I it's got early. It. You know, it's early. No, it's good. No, that was good. That was good. The lighting's not very good. <laughs> I don't have my glasses. There, there is like a. There's like a. Uh, the overhead light is gleaming above your shoulder, so it looks like the, there's a there's a god ray coming yeah, it's, down. It's, cre- it's, cre- it's crepuscular. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, Apollo is coming down to to get me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of problems with crepuscularity in this room. Yeah, it's true. Well, you're you're a poet. You're haunted in that way. <laughs> I move it this way. Oh, it's still there. I think it's that. Glitch. I had got an email yesterday from my um, my colleague Alice Fulton, um, mm-hmm. the noted poet. Sure. Because um, I had written to her, she had she had an injury uh, last fall, fell off a horse or was thrown from her horse. Oh no! And uh, um, I just wrote to see how she was doing and if if I, she needed any help this semester. As it happens, she's on leave, so she's going to continue sort of recuperating on leave, but. Um, she she told me that she's mad at her, still mad at her horse. Her horse is called Ransom. Mm-hmm. I just thought of getting thrown off your horse called Ransom, yeah. uh, and spending your your sabbatical contemplating what happened is a very it's a thing that happens to a poet. Yeah, yeah, she's paid her ransom. She's on horse time now. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Fulton, are you teaching right now? Uh, I'm on horse time. Horse time. Voice has changed. Voice <laughs> changes on horse time. A lot of things change on horse time. <laughs> down is up. Up is down. Cats is dogs. Black is gray. White is also gray. <laughs> Most things are horses. 
<laughs> speaking of uh speaking of uh old old timey conveyance. Uh-huh. I had an epiphany but right right after we so when I, when we last talked um I was engaged in various kinds of projects. Um, yeah. Oh well this uh, I'll I'll just I'll just close one topic. I was working on uh, recovering an a guitar amplifier. You were. Uh and I finished it and I love it and it's great. And I realized that that a thing I like to do is take um one of my interests writing music and turn it into mm-hmm. a craft project sure like making a special case for something a special bag mm-hmm. you know decorating something with with glitter and stars mhm that's a thing i like glue and pasta yeah <laughs> so, so i have covered my amplifier in <laughs> it says ben electro with and... white glue and pasta <laughs> uh, and macaroni yeah but anyway, what the thing that happened right after that was we spoke right before Christmas, and I, I had planned to go down to Philadelphia um, to meet with my family f- mm-hmm. for dinner, but also to have a family meeting about um, our future vacation spot because our the vacation spot we usually rent is was not no longer available. We got to think something else. The New Jersey spot, the yeah, summer the spot, Jersey, the summer spot. It, the, the the owners just raised the rent. So so much that it mm-hmm. it's gotten to a point where it's mm-hmm. a shame because that part of the shore is just not for us anymore, and I, it's already not for me. Like I could never afford or would not put. I would not yeah. pay for that if I was the one paying for it. I I yeah. contribute to. We all contribute to it, but my dad and my uncle um, yeah. take the lion's share of it because it was their idea, and they they were the ones who initially wanted to get the family together. Um, it's hard to it's hard to pay those Ray Romano prices. Seriously, Ray yeah. Romano actually um, he got he, the the owners of the house he was renting sold it, and he he's moved to the next block. So they rented a they're renting a place on the next block, and my family was like, so we would have to pay two thousand dollars more plus Ray Romano is no longer across the street. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna take this year off. And uh, uh-huh. and gather new ideas, and then next year we'll be back. We'll f- settle on something. So anyway, we we uh, we drive down there, me and Stephanie and my kids, and as soon as we leave Ithaca, the car doesn't sound right. It's it, it's switching gears at weird times. So at first I thought it was a transmission thing, but then I realized that even when it was in the gear it was supposed to be in, it's an automatic. Even when it's in the gear it's supposed to be in, it's not all there. It's noisy and stuttery. And I realized that my engine is dying. That, that, that there's there's a, a cylinder is... Oh, okay. It, there's probably a cylinder that's missing. It felt like it was on three cylinders. You've thrown a rod. Well, if I'd thrown a rod, I think it would it would have been just, in a, just a, a pool that's just of a cooling. Term I know yeah. about cars. What kind of car are you driving? Well, I was driving. <laughs> the car in question is a, uh-huh. is a 2007 Volvo. Uh, what was it X XC70? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I sedan. No, it was a wagon. Okay. And I bought this car three, four years ago, and mm-hmm. 
oh, there's always a $600 repair, like every few months. It, it's over and over and over. I have had to spend a ton of money on this car. And I, we go, we go to Philadelphia, white knuckled it all the way to Philly because we're already on the way. And then we white knuckled it all the way back. Poor Toby was like, are we going to make it? Is it going to die? I was like, Toby, I don't know, buddy. <laughs> we made it. Uh, went to sleep, got up in the morning, went through all my repair receipts and realized that for the amount of money I spent keeping this car alive over the past three years, I could have been leasing mm-hmm. two Honda Civics. Yeah. So what I did was I just went down to Honda dealership. Le- leased two Honda Civics? And leased one Honda Civic oh. and, and gave them, traded in my savings. Volvo. They took the yeah. Volvo for a thousand bucks. And uh, I'm not looking back. So I've gone from why would anyone buy a new car at such a ripoff to I'm never going to buy a used car again. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm leasing. I'm leasing a Honda Civic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that. So I don't really know how that works, but I suppose it does. I didn't. I didn't understand. Like maintenance it. wise, so like if something goes wrong, you are you not are you not responsible for the no, it's maintenance under, of a car that you're leasing? Well, you're responsible for brakes, windshield wipers. You know, if you get in a crash, your insurance has to handle it. Um, but just like all, you know, everything else. It's really? under, under warranty for three years. So you just go to the dealership and they fix it. That's nice. And and I still owed money on that Volvo. They uh they just ate it. They ate the loan. They absorbed the loan and now I'm getting interest free loan payments along with my car payments. So I'm actually saving money on the loan too. Mm-hmm. You know what? I uh I really support the uh, auto industry. I think that uh, I think everyone should do this. Mm-hmm. I've yeah. given up. Welcome, I've Welcome given to up. Car Talk, Talking Cars with John. <laughs> I hate cars so much, and I realize if I loved cars and, and or could fix cars, mm-hmm. uh, having an old car would be great for me because I I enjoy being able to do my own stuff. You know, if but it was I, a thing that you were interested in, you could really focus on. I it. could really focus on. I'm a person who can focus when he's actually yeah. interested in something. Is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So, so that's my. I'm just. I'm driving around very smoothly now with a with a working car. I'm not worried about it breaking down. I'm worried about uh, getting into a crash. I'm always worried about that. Yeah, I was worried about. Um, I was increasingly going into traffic. Mm-hmm. It could be at an intersection that I'd pull out, not realize like a like a stop sign thing, or. At a stop sign, not realizing that there was a, a car barreling towards me at fatal speeds mm-hmm. from the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was getting really anxious about it. And then sure. I, I, I haven't fixed the problem. That could still happen. But I went and I got. Uh, I realized the problem was my glasses kept slipping down because they're oh. big glasses and they're heavy. <laughs> it is my head is sort of shaped like. Um, like uh like late stage snowman you know okay there's, there's been some melting <laughs> you know um 
So my glasses kept slipping, and so I went and got uh, little, little eyeglass cords. So they get two for one yeah. at the Walgreens. One's black and one's white. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, you put them on the glasses, cinch yep. them up in the back, and the glasses don't slip down. And I have not been habitually or chronically um, driving in the traffic because I can now see to my left. Yeah, that's good. That's a very good, uh, very good. There's movement. a life hack for you on yeah. talking cars with John and Ed. <laughs> your 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 fear of getting broadsided reminded me, by the way, of a dream I had last night. It just it just came back to me. This must be. So I've been looking. I had been looking for a, a house to move into this June, and um, and found one. Um, and uh, it's downtown. Looking forward to moving into it. But um, I have been. I've had houses on the brain. Thinking about houses. What kind of house I want to live in. What its structure is like. What the rooms are like. And so on. And I've got these places I've looked at, at in photos, and they've stuck in my head. And also, of course, I've been playing the science fiction video game where stuff turns into other stuff. So these things, I think, combine to form this dream in which I had a um, – I had been issued a, a strangely uh, characterless, clean, antiseptic kind of apartment. Um, and I was kind of exploring it in a state of d- disappointment, I guess. Uh, but resignation about it. And there was a door that had not been explained to me. It was kind of like a, you know, when you're when you're outside a mall and there's a steel door that can't be opened from the outside. Um, you can, you know, you know, there's probably like an emergency bar on the inside of it or something. Yeah. It kind of looked like that, except mm-hmm. somehow I was able to open it. And behind it was a very long hallway. And at the very end of the hallway, there was another doorway with light pouring from it. And I was nervous about it. I thought, should I go down this hallway or not? And um, I closed the door and then started going about my business again, which which included finishing the fast food meal I had bought. And I crumpled up the the, the sandwich wrapper and the bag. And I had these two balls of crumpled paper and I thought you know what I'm going to walk down that hallway and I opened it and what I saw shocked me so much that I dropped the balls of paper and what I saw was the hallway had transformed now it didn't just recede into the distance it went it went down it was now a flight of stairs and the the doorway at the bottom was now much wider what is that Phoenician blinds. Oh, sure, sure. I thought, what is he? What is he doing? Is he frying an egg in his office? Mm-hmm. Um, the door was now much larger, and it transformed into stairs. And my two balls of paper, one had landed on on the left side of of a near a near stair, the second or third step, and the other ball had landed seven or eight steps down on the right. And as I watched, the hallway transformed each ball into like an an orb, like a like a marbled, variegated like a Saudi orb. orb. Ooh, mm-hmm. like the Saudi orb, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and then it began to make copies of each orb. So now every step had two orbs, one on the left and one on the right. And I was filled with r- really mortal terror. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up and uh, made coffee. So the video, video game was getting into your head. And the houses were getting into my head. And the houses were getting into your head. And the Saudi orb was doing what the Saudi orb does, <laughs> which is get into your head yeah. <laughs> and transform things. Yeah. It's also a little uh, a little bit of stalker in Twin Peaks mm-hmm. in there. Sure, sure. <laughs> You're in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some Twin Peaks in there. Yeah. I haven't seen stalker recently enough, I think, for it to be – to. In your- to rise up to the dream-making part of my brain. Maybe I should watch it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a strange dream. I know. Um, mentioned my fear of being broadsided. I also have a fear of broadsides. <laughs> by poets lesser than yourself, Ed, or by poet, by you. <laughs> and greater, and also by myself. Yeah. <laughs> and the most, and one that's uh, very scared of broadsides that are designed in such a way that it's very hard to tell who wrote them. Oh, God. Yeah. Are you thinking of one in particular? I'm just imagining the most terrifying broadside that I can imagine. <laughs> Design heavy. Yeah. <laughs> An unclear attribution. Um, but I had a, I had a, I just woke up from a dream, probably in the, that I was dreaming perhaps while you were sitting and waiting for me to Skype in. Yeah. <laughs> in which I was at um, a party. Yeah, um, uh, at a it was a cool hotel bar, but it was out in the country. Um, but there was still a parking problem, and wherever I parked my car, um, was uh, it, it, well, after I went in, you know, I left, I went out in the car, I'd been towed. My car was gone, and I was way out in the country, and it was late, and I was going to be domestically in trouble, mm-hmm. and I was going to have to get the car and explain all this. And then I got a ride home from TV's Paul Reiser. <laughs> who had not previously been in the dream. So. You mean Paul Paul Reiser? Uh, no, I was going to say Paul Reiser recently of, uh, uh, of the designated survivor, but that was not Paul Reiser. That's the guy from uh, Northern Exposure, who's the, who's the grizzled exploitative reporter. Rob Morrow. Rob Morrow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, who's got it half right. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he knows it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's going to fuck up everything. That's right. Yeah. The press, man. Yeah. yeah. TV's Paul Reiser. Well, that's good. good cameo. Give me a lift, reluctantly. Do- and then I mentioned, I mentioned somebody, some, a person we actually know in the real world in common. Yeah, and in the dream, he did, he didn't know that person. Wait, who do you, who do you and Paul Reiser both know? Uh, someone who wrote on his show. Perhaps he didn't. Uh, uh, someone who, who had had been a writer on the show. Yeah, but he didn't he didn't know her in the in the dream. <laughs> <laughs> How embarrassing! <laughs> which, I don't know. Which is probably like why it was in my memory at all. It was like uh, ancillary to that person. I don't know. Silly dreams. Yeah. But you know one thing about dreams. Tell Trump's me. not always president in a dream. <laughs> oh God! Any more than he was before he was president in the real world. I feel like Trump has always been president. 
and will always yeah. be president. The other night, I uh, we have to speak legally obligated to say that. Depressed by the video I, game, Ed, I watched the the new Letterman interview show, in which yeah. he talks to the first episode. He talks to Obama. No, we watched it. I just, just freaking cried the whole time. Even if you don't don't like the guy's politics, he can talk. He can tell yeah. jokes. Yeah. Ugh. Sometimes I feel like conservatism is just a refuge for people who are so deeply uncomfortable in their own skin. I think this is why, aside from his being black, I think this is one of the reasons they hated Obama, is because Obama is cool, by which I mean Obama's perfectly comfortable being Obama, inhabits himself confidently, and speaks extemporaneously uh, without any kind of visible sort of fear or awkwardness. Um, and there are people who are drawn to that, and there are people who mm-hmm. despise it. Who are repelled by it, yeah. Yeah. Something, something to that. And this is, why, this is why they don't like gay and trans people, because it just reminds them of their own body horror. Yeah, the idea that there, there's a differentness in, that exists. Yeah, if you mean that negatively about conservatives, then I, I if you mean if you mean anything negatively about conservatives at this point, I will agree with you. <laughs> sure, <laughs> whether whether the premise is sound or not, I don't know how sound that premise is. Yeah, but but uh, but I agree with it a hundred percent. Okay, <laughs> okay, good, good. That's all. That's that really matters to me. Yeah. Yeah. I keep accidentally but I, I keep accidentally issuing opinions. I was try one of my news resolutions was no more opinions. I'm not gonna issue opinions anymore. So on Twitter I did a um I have been much less engaged in Twitter. I don't tweet as much as I once did, which and I am very glad for this. I have not quit, but I I've yeah. backed off. Um and then uh, but you know this when uh the new year rolled around I I have I did I did a thing inspired by uh my friend Elisa Gabbert. Uh she does this and she she what every book that she reads, she puts in a you know, she puts in mm-hmm. writes in a notebook and then writes a little review to herself of the book in the notebook. And then at the end of the year, she tells you every single book she read that year. She'll, she writes mm-hmm. a long blog post of every book she read and a description of it and what she thought of it. And it's really good because she's a, she's a very good casual critic and mm-hmm. um, formal critic. But in this case, um, it's very accessible. She's really smart. She likes uh, books for interesting reasons. So, um, And I was not going to do that. But uh, I did want to – inspired by that, I did keep a list of all the books I'd read. And I'm going to do this every year now. Um, and I just, you know, I just do it on my phone and I bold face the ones that I actually got through. Um, and so I made a little list of all the books that I liked this year with a couple of lines about why I like them. Um, mm-hmm. and then at the end I said, and now I am retiring from opinions on the internet. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. And man, tr- I have to delete, I tweet and then delete three opinions a day. I was so in the habit of it. I was so in the habit of it that w- uh-huh. I can't even, I can't even seem to prevent myself from starting to do it. You and millions others. Yeah, but it wasn't yeah. even, it, 
it wasn't even a thing I noticed that I did issuing opinions. Yeah. And I'm not talking about like controversial opinions. Oh no. Just opinions. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of couple of people I like on Twitter talking about the movie I Tanya, uh, mm-hmm. which I saw the other day, and uh liked it. So complex in some thought provoking ways and uh f- it's formally formally adventurous which um some people hate some people like and a friend of mine was a little put off by it and i was gonna mm-hmm. was gonna support it i thought it was a i thought it was a successful part of the movie so i said oh yeah yeah i i, I like that i thought it was effective but i can see how you and then i i was and then i was like what am i doing now i'm gonna have a discussion now i'm gonna have an argument with people uh-huh. I'm gonna, people i like i'm gonna argue with mm-hmm. i don't want to do that mm-hmm. so i deleted yeah. it immediately you don't have to no yeah. there's a time for it if you want to yeah yeah i'm gonna i will i will express opinions in book reviews yeah when you're paid for it when I'm paid for it, and and yeah. when I have the room to sort of stretch out and make my opinions clear, when the point when you're expected to express an opinion, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. opinion time, yeah, I uh, um, I like to write book reviews. I like I uh, I step into Twitter once in a while through our lunchbox account. Mm-hmm. Uh, most. <laughs> Mostly only to see what some market in Iowa or Wisconsin is having for lunch that day. I've been enjoying these tweets very much. Bassett's Market. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't know why. it was. In a, I, maybe I was searching for anything that had to do with JoJo's a few years ago. <laughs> and and uh, so it, it, it shows up faithfully whenever I, whenever I look in. And I like, I like the picture. There's a nice picture of a roast turkey. Mm-hmm. Or a, or a jello mold or something. And uh, then a description. And it's usually JoJo's. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a long list of things that they have that day. <laughs> the first one that I saw of those, I thought, what? why did Ed, why did Ed tweet this? Why did Ed retweet this? Because it seems very – I read it a couple times thinking there's got to be some weird food item in here. And then I and then I realized no, it's just <laughs> so, someone in Michigan is eating this. It is, I don't even know where it is in Michigan. Yeah, wherever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And the, but you know, I still I still have my my struggles with with social media. Um. You know, I was talking to someone this weekend. It's like, hey, you know, I should get off social media. Many, many have tried. (laughs) Yeah. Many have tried. Uh, You know what I did last night, Ed? Speaking Hmm. of food, I discovered that a thing that um, a solitary grown man can do is make chocolate chip cookies for himself. Yeah. Oh, sure. You can make them any way that you want. You can put or not put raisins and walnuts in it. Mm -hmm. You could... Make them really nice. You can make them uh, sloppily. You can make them very large. You can make them very small. Mm-hmm. It's I'm, all it's all what you do with it. You know? Well, let, I'm going to. I was going to tell you what I did, but I think instead I'm going to. Um, I'm going to send a photo. 
One moment. Let's see if S- Skype is actually competent at. Um... Now, how do I get to the messages? Oh God, this app. Sure. Oh, it's the worst. How the hell do I get to the? Okay, new chat. How do I get to the chats? I don't know how to get to the chats. Oh, now you disappeared. All right, there's probably a. There should be a place where I can. Oh, there, there. There's a little. There's a little. Pic, there's a little mountain icon. Drop images here to share. Uh, all right, let's try this. Let's try this. No, I don't want to. It's, it says gallery. Drop images here. I don't want a gallery. All right, I'm not sending you this picture. I don't know how to do it. Um, what I did is I put uh, I put rainbow sprinkles on the chocolate chips. Have you ever seen that before? Oh, oh, oh! You actually do you see where to, where to share the pictures now? Uh, well, I see a little send image icon. Okay, there it is. That you can. <sighs> Oh my god, file too large. Maximum file size for this file type is 20 megabytes. Cookies too delicious. It's not 20 megabytes. I'm sorry. These cookies are too delicious. You can't send them. Here, here. What, that is a lie. Okay, it's sending it. Today's, today's the 19th. Today's the 21st. They're behind schedule. Maybe they don't do it on the weekend, but on... Oh, there's a picture. On... Uh, January nineteenth, the lunch lunch on January nineteenth at Bassett's Markets, which yeah. is recognized as one of the most progressive independent supermarket operators in the state <laughs> really? of Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> Founded in eighteen ninety eight. How how does how does a supermarket reflect progressivism? It's hiring practices, it's no eating choices. <laughs> don't don't get don't get too don't get too excited. <laughs> Lunch today is baked ham with parsley potatoes. Everything's capitalized as if it's it's an Emily Dickinson poem. <laughs> Lunch today is baked ham with parsley potatoes, fried chicken, chicken yeah. tenders, oh, sure. green beans, and cherry cobbler. Our homemade soups are chili, chicken noodle, stuffed pepper. And cheesy broccoli. Mm. And the picture is of baked ham. Sliced into three slices. Although it might actually be a pork loin, I have to say. Mm -hmm. The day before, Thursday's lunch specials at the Port Clinton Deli included chicken medley over rice and apple crumble. Their homemade soups were hillbilly ham and bean. Good luck. (laughs) Ha ha! Noodle and BLT. That sounds that sounds adequate. Day four, their homemade soups included a hundred percent vegetarian carrot bisque, <laughs> cheesy beef and bean. There's your progressive right there. Vegetarian bisque, smoked turkey and bacon corn chowder with wild rice. I just love it. So you just reminded me, um, cheesy, the word cheesy was uttered a few times there. I'm going to send you, uh, let's see if I can send you yet another, another photo. Let's find, let's find out. Um, so I mentioned that, um, oh, that's close enough. Uh, I, I was, I mentioned that I was in Philadelphia eating with my family and, uh, my cousin and her husband brought out 
out of the oven this uh this this baking uh what do we call it? baking uh not tray baking tray is that what you call the thing you bake the thing on there's a picture of it in my cookie picture right there sheet baking sheet baking sheet yeah they take a baking it, it, sheet out of the oven with their uh-huh. with their puffy mitts and uh, nice. it's covered with these what i would have called pigs in a blanket Mm-hmm. Um, just for on site, um, but they had alongside them a bowl of melted cheese, so like a you know a Velveeta e, and you can see in this photo that I, the, the link I just sent you in the photo, there's a couple of plastic plastic containers of cheesy cheese sauce, mm-hmm. and. They brought these things out with the with a bowl of cheese, and someone shouted, "Oh boy, smoky cheesers!" <laughs> smoky cheesers, yeah. And I thought, "Oh man, I'm glad they did." I thought that someone had. I thought this family member had just invented that term on the spot, but it's a it is a thing. Smoky cheesers are pigs in a blanket that you dip in cheese sauce. I don't know where the smoke comes from maybe the maybe the mm-hmm. little sausages are smoked sausages or smoked hot dogs but um and you know what i what i wanted to happen was for and this was an appetizer i wanted dinner to be canceled and i wanted my family to go away and leave me alone with your cheesy with the smoky cheesers and the yeah. And, and, and your video game? And, no, I was I was not yet in that pit of despair with the with the uh, space station yet. <laughs> Just this me and the smoky cheesers was all I wanted. They were they were good. The innovation, the I, and it looks like it's a, a Philly thing. The Philly innovation, I, and of course everyone loves dipping things in cheese, but specifically of dipping pigs in a blanket in very thick cheese sauce. Yeah. That's a it's a good. That's very good. Well, that's why they call it the city of brotherly innovation. They, do. yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I like that. Like yeah, that. I like a little smoky. Yeah, but too salty. But uh, so, if you put them in a sugary sauce, wait, barbecue wait, wait. sauce, what's a little smoky? A little smoky. It's like a little tiny hot dog. A little tiny hot dog. Yeah, about an inch long. Sausage, probably more of a sausage. Well, hot dogs is sausage. Well, that's probably what's in these smoky cheesers. That's probably where the smoky comes from. Yep. I've never, I've never heard that. Is you it ever have a Lil Smoky? A Lil Smoky is that a brand Lil, name? Lil, Lil Smoky. <laughs> a brand name or a term of art? Um, um, uh, what is the difference in this debate <laughs> stage? Mm-hmm. Pardon me, I was distracted not only by needing more coffee, but by the fact that a, I, I'm sitting at the, essentially, my living room is is in a, it's a split-level apartment. So the, you come in the door, you're in a foyer, you go down to the living room, you go up to the bedrooms. Uh-huh. So nothing in this place is on the door level. The door is in the middle. Yeah. And I'm sitting at the, right at the bottom where my little recording setup is, and I can see right through the door, and a man, a man came to my door. And he stood there for just a moment, and then he walked away. And I realize now he was reading the electric meter. But there was a moment where I thought he was going to knock, and I would have to make a decision. 
Yeah. So anyway, so um, is it right now? It's, no, actually, you're already communicating with them through your electrical usage. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. We're communing. Just plug in a toaster, and he'll know you're there. <laughs> That sounds like a good job. I need a new job. Maybe I'll be an electric meter reader. Gent. I, I think I, the job title is electric meter reader gent. At, I I think that's I think that's a good uh, good name for you. Would Walk you wear around. a special hat? Wear a blue hat. Might the hat have a lightning bolt on it? Yeah. An embroidered lightning bolt. Yeah. <laughs> it has an electric eel. It's like a shield <laughs> with a, an electric eel, but it's a very anthropomorphic uh, electric eel. It's smiling. It's giving you a, a sort of electric thumbs up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and God. And on the back, there's a very non-anthropomorphic uh, electric eel embroidered, very realistic, sort of a photorealist embroidery mm-hmm. of a electric eel in its natural habitat, which is the Amazon. <laughs> is that true? It's good, but yeah, because it's a secretly owned by Amazon. I would yeah. secretly be an Amazon employee. Yeah. And that would be sort of the the clue to others in the know. Cool. They're really into photorealist embroidery <laughs> as a um, as a kind of uh, corporate gang sign. <laughs> well, they got their fingers in a lot of pots. Yeah. Over there at Amazon HQ. Oh well, that's there's going to be another HQ. By the way, I Why? I, I gasped there because you mm-hmm. reminded me of another moment in the video game when you're when mm-hmm. you're running around the video game, you eat things to keep your mm-hmm. strength up, and mm-hmm. one of the things that you find lying around is these tins of uh, of eel, of salted mm-hmm. eel, and mm-hmm. then at some point. You don't have to do this. There's an optional thing you can do where you end up deep in this cellar where the eels are made. <laughs> and you push a button and the all the eels fall out of this vat, this elevated vat, and among them is a dead body. That's where I've been living, Ed. Yeah, I, I want I should play this game. Yeah. So anyway, Amazon is Amazon is uh it's almost like choosing the next Olympics site. They're like they're like they've mm-hmm. narrowed down their choices for their extra HQ yeah. to like twenty cities. People who are going to like take massive tax hits to have yeah. Amazon come to their town. Yeah. I um I have I looked at the list and it looked like a list of boring airports. Yeah, no. Have you ever have you ever worked in one of the my bet warehouses? Is Raleigh. I think it'll be in Raleigh. That's my 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 dime's on Raleigh, North Carolina. It's it's very far from Seattle. Is that you think that's a why why is your dime on Raleigh? Um because it is um research triangle. You yeah. can get a lot of it's a, a, a lot of people could um, from around the world with uh, smart 
person degrees could go and live there sure easily and there's room to grow and uh, I don't know just got a feeling it's Raleigh okay all right I so hope it's I hope it's Toronto well there's one Canadian city I, I hope it goes there as a point to saying like look we want we need to have employees from around the world and Nobody wants to come to America because it's a stinky shithole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, have you ever worked in one of the uh, warehouses? No. Like a warehouse of any kind? or No, Amazon warehouse. No. A lot of our friends who work for Amazon would have to go down and fulfill orders during the holiday season in the early days. Charming. But I I was a Amazon I was a contract employee I was a freelancer for Amazon I didn't have any obligations during the brief period when I wrote for them. A friend of mine in um, New Haven is a uh, unemployed uh, lawyer. He actually is now he has actually is now employed in a law related position. So, but for yeah. a little while he he had gotten he had passed the bar, but he was he was just waiting for a job to come up that he could that he could get. So he was just making ends meet with um, odd jobs, and one of them was working at the Amazon warehouse in, somewhere in Connecticut. Um, he, I couldn't tell you where. The reason is that he, what they had to do was he would have to drive about forty-five minutes to a to a, like a a place where you park your car, and then a mm-hmm. bus. You're not allowed to drive your car to the warehouse. Oh, a bus comes and picks you up. With mm-hmm. all the other workers, and to, and mm-hmm. you have to you have to surrender your phone, mm-hmm. and then you are delivered to the warehouse and uh, make low wages for mm-hmm. uh, a number of hours that guarantees you cannot get any benefits, and then you're bussed back an hour to the parking lot, and then you drive forty five minutes back to New Haven. That's not cool. No, I don't like anything about that. But you know, I need I need to. I'll, I'll try it. There's a lot of warehouses near here. I'm thinking about uh, kind of around the airport, short drive, graveyard shift. Sure. Time to think. Hmm. If, if I don't think that's required. One one job that always um, I've always sort of envied was the job that Andy Paulson had. At Missoula Ready Mix Concrete back in the 90s. Yeah. Which was, he was the quality control officer. Um, he had to make sure that each grade of gravel was the correct, you know, the correct width, the correct diameter. I don't know what you'd call it. Size, grain. Mm hmm. Uh, grain sounds good. Sure. And uh, shade. Gauge. Mm hmm. Uh, but he had an office, which was like a barn, a warehousey mm-hmm. barn, and it had rafters in it, and it had all kinds of testing equipment for the for the concrete and gravel. And he would do his job, but he also he also found a um, classified ad selling a, a Hammond organ, and he bought it, or maybe it was a Wurlitzer organ. He bought it and he put it in the the office, and he would play the organ and then he would swing around on the rafters like an ape. And then he would he would play with rocks and dirt. 
Yeah, that's a good job. Yeah. Yeah. Any one of those activities could be the real job. It's hard to tell. Yeah. It so yeah. seeing him there it looked like he it looked like his natural habitat. Yeah. He, he took me there at night just to hang out and drink beer and play the organ. Had <laughs> 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 this little ready mix. I like it. I'll see if they're hiring. Yeah. You can commute to Missoula. I'll commute to Missoula. So uh, only if, only if the Warlitzer is still there. But are you are you effectively are you tired of of uh, occasional teaching? Do you you're enjoying? It just doesn't pay. It doesn't pay enough. Yeah, I mean it doesn't it doesn't pay enough. I need I need to make more money, and teaching doesn't make enough money. You should sell a novel. Uh-huh. Does that make a lot of money, John? No, but it makes makes more money than poems. Maybe that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, they're going to do my next book. Ah, of poems. Sweet. I'm Travelers. Very, very glad. Uh, leaving for the city. That's the name of it. 20, Tra- Travelers leaving. Twenty, for the 20 city. or so. Mm-hmm. Travelers leaving for the city. Yeah. When you said twenty twenty or so, I was like, is it? Is it a science fiction poetry mm. collection? And then I thought, oh no, that's no, <laughs> that's in two years. <laughs> yeah, that's in two years. Yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Twenty seventeen sounded very futuristic. Twenty eighteen sounds like a, a like nineteen eighty eight. Doesn't sound like a a distant year. Seven it's, sound futuristic. Twenty eighteen mm. just sounds like another year of Trump. To be honest, yeah, who knows? He paid off. A porn yeah. star. Nobody cares. To not talk about his having sex with her and asking her to spank him with a copy of Forbes with his family on the cover. And no yeah. one cares. No one cares. No one cares. Nobody cares. Nothing matters. Nothing has any value. People are killing themselves all over the country. Suicide rate is spiking. Really? Nobody cares. Yeah. That's a real thing? That's a real thing. Well, that's yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I mean, you People and I care, Ed. I don't know if I care. We haven't given up. I think I have. We're podcasting. For the first time in a month. <laughs> and I was 15 minutes late. <laughs> you were busy dreaming. You were getting a ride from Paul Reiser. I was, I was getting a ride from Paul Reiser. <laughs> I was trying to get home. Yeah. It was like the Odyssey. <laughs> My nester was Paul Reiser. <laughs> yeah. Oh, things things matter, I guess. I went up to Port Townsend this weekend. That was lovely. Yeah. Drove up there. Oh, I saw some uh, photos from your Instagram. It's a picturesque place because it's a promontory. Promontory. <laughs> Sticks out of the water. A promontory, like <laughs> it's a promontory, like. Uh, uh, Come John on. Major. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Edmund Burke. Uh, yeah, I drove up, uh, uh, had, had had dinner with a friend, and then uh, went and talked to Port Townsend High School. Oh. All of the students for a, a Friday salon that they have. <laughs> Uh, previous speakers have included Bo Bridges, <laughs> wow, some judge, and then a poet. 
<laughs> Friday afternoon at a small town high school. Uh, a lot of people were ready to go. A lot of them were ready to go. Because yeah. the weekend was beckoning. Uh, there were some basketball games. Uh, things to do. People were ready to go. But they were receptive. They were open. They asked questions about poetry. Um only snarky question came from uh, high school, from one of the teachers who had like, ah, I read an essay a long time ago that said that poetry's dead. What's it like to work in an art that's so unappreciated? <laughs> What's it like to have an, uh, like two <laughs> for eyes <laughs> and uh, a dead soul is what I should have said. <laughs> was really, it was, I mean, I was like, it was. I don't know. I was like, why? Why do uh, you know? I was there. I was doing this for free. I, mean, I probably actually ended up spending money to go do this. And uh, one of the teachers, an English teacher, you know, why? What's the point? Just you. I mean, yeah, of course. It's a, it's a small. It's a sure. small. It's a small minor art. Or if it's even an art, it's a little thing that I do. It's a uh, it's a harmless activity that I engage in. That he teaches, and he had a little goatee, had a shitty goatee. Uh, you know, kind of took a lot of the fun out of it. That's students a shame. Were not, though. Yeah, sure. a little early. Some of the students read some poetry um, that they were working on nervously, and it was it was, uh, it was delightful. Here's the thing about high school students: if you're mm-hmm. the assembly, they like you. Because I, I'm not. I, I am. I am not a class. You're the break. Yeah, you're the break in the yeah. routine. Yeah. Um, so yeah. okay. So uh, would you? Uh, I was. I was formulating that comment while you were talking. Did you say that? You, were you? So I didn't listen to you. Did you do an exercise with them or something? Did you actually teach? No, no. A- I think they, I think uh, one of the, one of the other classes, the, the the good teacher who had invited me, um, had been working on poetry with the students and and they were reading some of their. This coincided, I think, with a you know poetry unit culmination. Mm-hmm. So last time I was there, I went. I taught there for like three weeks as a, a visiting thing. I seem um, to remember they, that. They have some funding for. And uh um we did a, a culmination reading on a on a uh like some hundred and twenty year old boat in, in high winds down in the hold, drinking hot chocolate as the boat rocked to and fro. That, that's that it, it strikes great. me that I, I was very harsh on that teacher just now with the eye comment. Well, it was. I didn't know that I felt that strongly about it. It was un, unforced hostility. It's not. Yeah. It's not the. It's not the kind of environment where a comment like that is is sort of bracing or interestingly challenging. I mean, it's a dumb comment anywhere, but in that particular uh, context, it just seems particularly petty and sad. I mean, a room full of adults. Um, it's a fine question, and I could talk about it. But I mean, this was you know, this was supposed to be a, and maybe he maybe he meant it joking. Often when people seem like assholes, they they're trying to be funny, mm-hmm. and they're not they're, they're just don't know how to talk real well. Yeah, um, that's probably what it was. I'm sure that's what it was. Yeah, he just didn't phrase it in in a way that was as 
What did you say? Pleasant and friendly. I just said I disagreed with his premise and moved on. Yeah, good. I think poetry's fine. It's always been, it's never been a big thing. We think that it had more cachet in the past because we have no idea what what life was like in the past, really. (laughs) Um, Except for a few relics, and poetry is a, a reliably persistent relic because it's it's easily portable and um, that it, it uh, we, we imagine in other periods of time people really mooning over poetry and I'm not sure that many people did sure but so that whatever, whatever most people mooned over didn't last as, as though anything does mm, nothing lasts John nothing lasts you know what maybe I should be a poet Mm-hmm. I seem to have uh, some of the natural yeah. talent for it. Mm-hmm. You have a hoodie. I, I, there's types of uh, – all right. I'm going to complain about something. Okay. This is a tweet. Of course, it's, it always starts with a goddamn tweet. Mm-hmm. There's a tweet that, uh, issued by a writer um, I don't who I don't follow, but someone had retweeted it. Um, and I've now arranged my Twitter so that I never see tweets by this person again. But um, this is the tweet. I would pretty much always rather read work by an emerging writer who finally sent her last kid off to college and then sat down to write for the first time at 55 than someone who just got their MFA at 24. And this tweet really angered me. That means nothing. It Well... I understand the sentiment behind it, which is unconventional ways into the world of writing should be praised. And uh, people who are trying to do it differently should be supported, which is a universally accepted and agreed with premise. However, what this person... That's not not the point of the tweet. (laughs) That's not the point of the tweet, though. The point of the The tweet... The point of the tweet is to shit on somebody young trying hard. Exactly. And... Here's the thing. Yeah. The tweet is is a lie. This person would not prefer to read a bad book by category of person A than a good book by category category of person B. Furthermore, there's no moral superiority of one of these groups of people over the other. I've known writers that conform more or less to both of these things. Yes. And they're all totally legitimate. It's like, why shit on someone who, at a fairly young age, decided to commit themselves to their art and try mm-hmm. really hard, right off the bat, to get good at this thing? Why? That they're going to share with the world for almost free. <laughs> very, very close to free, it turns out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah. it's one of these opinions that if you push back on it, you are an asshole. Right, but the fact is, because it's because no one's gonna say uh, you shouldn't feel that way. But the writer, the writer of the tweet, doesn't feel that way. It's no. just it's just a pose that's meant to, I don't know, present up a a political stance that will receive praise from some quarters. I mean, yeah. I don't want to do anything ever again that I will be praised for. <laughs> I don't want to do anything ever again that people will like or enjoy. 
<laughs> That's my new position. That's good. That's good. You'll probably fail. People, you, people I'll will probably disappoint. Yeah, yeah. Someone's going to enjoy it whether you like it or not. Yeah. Doing it for me. Just what is I feel like social media has become this is I'm just gonna sound like an old man again. Why are people trying say, say, to let me let me just encourage you to say it in an old man voice. Well <laughs> on the Facebook Um I can't log in. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mabel, where'd you put my passwords? <laughs> I, oh, they have trouble with the passwords. I feel like they're starting from the baseline of the literary community. There are no, there should not be, there don't have to be factions, right? There's not, you know, go get. And also, the presumption here is that the young MFA student is a creature of privilege, right? Sort of carefully groomed in the ivory tower um, mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a soulless professional, when in fact my actual students, many of them, come from nothing. Yeah, they don't come from families who necessarily supported their work. They didn't come from money. Uh, they went to you know if they w- they went to college, but a lot of them went to a state college that they got a scholarship to because they were poor. Mm-hmm. They're sh- shocked that they got into our MFA program. The only reason they got into the MFA program is that they showed that they were pretty good at writing. Yeah, and then they come and could not be more appreciative of and overjoyed by their good fortune at having the chance to do their work. So, okay, but one sense is that the the presumption here is that the young person is a creature of privilege, um, but that's not a real thing. Like all of us are privileged in one way or another, and those of us who are less privileged have to fight harder, certainly, to do good work in our environment. But, like, shouldn't we be spending our time, like, if we're the privileged people, su- supporting everyone who needs help in whatever way they can? Mm-hmm. I was like, why deliberately say, actually, there's two groups, and one of the groups is better? What do you think of that? I actually prefer one thing over the other, if you can believe that. <laughs> Aren't I adorable? Today mm-hmm. off Twitter, John. I know, I know. No good. I know. It's not inherently bad. It just has gotten. It has gotten really ridiculous. I mean, it's like uh, I think we're um, we're arguing about stupid shit because the stuff that's actually important to argue about just can at this point cannot be solved. There's nothing we can do about about some of the most horrible things right now. Right. So we're so we're picking fights over nothing some we, stupid not, we're, nothing that we can nothing we can do moment to moment about it. No. We have I mean we have a gradual plan. Do you see some of the some of the women's marches yesterday were larger than the original ones? I didn't know that. Cuz here in Portland it wasn't. Yeah, Portland Chicago actually Portland Chicago is, is huge. Portland's whole thing has gotten kind of fractured by the cops, and nobody really. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand what happened here in Portland. We came out of the gate so strong and then got kind of beat down. I'm sorry to hear that. It seems, it seems to be the case to me. I, mean, I don't know. 
Um, but it was, so they were larger than last year? Yeah, 300,000 people in Chicago. That's great. And it was cold. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Seattle had a big one. A lot of people in Port Townsend were um, getting ready to go to it. Um, and that's that's a haul. That's like, you know, ends up being about two and a half, three hour trip. Yeah, on a on a weekend with, with ferry traffic, high winds. Oh, Eddie. Also had a lot of conversations in Port Townsend about about uh, the uh, the climate changing. You heard about this? <laughs> the, uh, about climate change? Uh huh. I have. What what did uh, what did you learn in? Uh, what did uh, well, you there's learn a, in Port uh, Townsend? Uh, there's a. Uh, 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 Friends of there's a journalist up there who's who I, I haven't met but he he's, he's living up there. Um, his friends with all the people I was hanging out with, who um, has uh, you know is working on a, a book about it and going around the world doing his reporting. Sure. And is of the position that there is uh, no hope, <laughs> and that the worst thing is are these are are those who are trying to give hope that we can do anything about it. Because um, it's like telling somebody in, in you know in their last days in hospice that they're going to get better. Oh my god! It's just not um, it's not ethical. It's not it's not helpful to give people hope. Okay. And and uh, the what we could do is what, if we want to do anything useful as poets is we could help. We could we we could help uh, it could help us mourn. <laughs> help people mourn. So poetry is is is, is effectively a, a a hospice tool. Poetry is sitting beside you in hospice, gleefully <laughs> rubbing his hands. <laughs> so there's that thread, and then the uh, I really do like I I I I am often alarmed at the we've talked about. The our hope that the Mueller investigation will oh God. will do anything, and if like if the Stormy Daniels thing shows us this, nothing's going. Nothing's gonna, that if, if Robert Mueller, Mueller can prove without a doubt everything that we think is going to happen, I think Trump still gets to be president. I think you're right. It all. I think it depends on what happens in the November elections this year. But and it's our hope and faith in the process that is um, that in the end it's going to make us look more like. Utopian fools, um, and then people yeah. will think, "Oh, you should have just burnt down the White House." Yeah. It's like, well, would that would that have helped? And they'll, and they'll say in the future, "No," but it would have made a better story <laughs> and a bunch of smart people sitting on their hands, hoping that somebody in off in an office does something to somebody in another office. Yeah. Well, the women who are marching are the closest thing to burning down the White House right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing something anyway. Yeah, I thank you for it. Well, on that note, we're 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 going long. Whoa, was that Norm? I hope so. Yeah. What uh, <laughs> What are you uh, What are you gonna have for lunch? Fixing up on lunchtime there, right? I am gonna eat a banana, and then I might have okay. another banana. Oh, I have some strawberries too. You know what I'm gonna do, Ed? I'm gonna put some strawberries and bananas on cereal. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna have. I haven't eaten anything yet today, so. Like uh, Cheerios. And put them on Cheerios. Uh, it's going to be life, life. Shredded. Cereal. 
I I just finished a box of shredded wheat the other day. Now I'm on I'm for life. Most shredded wheat. Yeah. There's not a there are a few more perfect conveyancers for ladled sugar than <laughs> cream of wheat. I mean uh, uh, shredded wheat. I agree. You know, I'm uh, old enough to remember um, when the default shredded wheat, the baseline shredded wheat, was, were those giant biscuits, those giant the pillows. big bale, yeah, yeah, the big wheat, bale. the yeah. wheat of Bixie. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but now the default, you can't even find those anymore. Now the default is the mini ones. You're breaking my heart, John. I know. I'm sorry. Breaking my heart. <sighs> well. Okay. Um, <laughs> my good poet. Uh, a book recommendation? Anything good to read? Give me something hopeful. Uh, what was the last good thing? I really good thing I read. What did you? What were you reading me, before? Before you started playing Prey? I'm going to tell you that in just a second. I have it on my list. Um, I read three three good novels in a row. Here they are. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, the Locals by my friend Jonathan D. Feels right. very much uh, vi- like in the vintage contemporary vein. It's a it's a bunch of hapless people in Massachusetts after in the wake of September 11th. Got a weird, it has a weird uh, structure. A, a first person narrator in the first chapter who disappears and never comes back, and the rest is in third person. It's, it's very odd, and I like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Zadie Smith's Swing Time is really good. I don't have to say much about her. I think everybody knows. Yeah, why she's good. She's great, and this this book was good. And then uh, Mary Gateskill's The Mayor, which is about a little girl um, from a very messed up family uh, in New York who goes upstate as part of the Fresh Air Fund uh-huh. with, with this sort of new agey, dreamy white lady, and gets into horses. And then there's a big conflict between the white lady and her mom. Um, and it's great. It's just a, a great. This is a new, novel. a new, her newest. Yeah. Is it? Uh huh. Yeah. Awesome. So Sounds good. All three of those I recommend. How about you? Um, Merwin, reading old Merwin books. The, the Maze of Ventadorn, which he wrote for National Geographic, which Copper Canyon's about to put out again. Um, which is about Provençal poetry in The France. maze of what? Ventadorn. Ventadorn. Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's lovely. And then his book, Unframed Originals, which is also prose about just about his family. Good title, too. He he lives out in Hawaii. He's still alive. I was gonna say um, he's well into his nineties by now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's he's uh, he's 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 an elderly man. Um, you know, they had the nuclear alert out in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> I'm aware of that. And I asked uh, um, Port Townsend somebody who who knows him. Like uh, so, what you know? Did he hear, hear about it? He says, "Well, you know, William doesn't have a cell phone, but <laughs> <laughs> so he doesn't get it." But, but he was talking to you know somebody else who lives out there in Maui, who is is a neighbor who is going to you know see him, and ran into a um, you know some you know farmer who lives adjacently, um, who said that 
when the alert came, um, he uh, remembered um, one of Merwin's a line from a Merwin poem, which is, "On on the last day, uh, on the last day on Earth, I would plant a tree." Yeah, and he said that he so that's what he did. The alert <laughs> came and really he went, out, went out and planted a tree. Oh, that's so that's good. His, yeah, that's nice. Plus, he, and then he didn't have to die. And then t- turns out, <laughs> not today. He's like, God damn it, now I gotta plant another tree. Are you hungry for lunch? <laughs>